This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs for K-12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. Well, Mark, what is, is that a crab rangoon? Oh, sorry. So I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Go ahead, Josh. You got it. All right. Got it. This is episode 96. The one, the only K-12 Tech Talk podcast. Are you slobbering, Josh? No, I am not. That's my bourbon. Um, so share us with your friends. Share us with your enemies, your coworkers, your neighboring districts, your bosses. Uh, we are on Twitter, K-12 Tech Talk pod on Twitter. Shoot us an email, k12techtalk at gmail.com. Do not share us with your teacher friends. No, no, this is a... To be clear. this Well, we got to be careful because Mark was a teacher, right, Mark? Yeah, sorry, I got a mouthful of crab <laughs> rangoon right now. <laughs> he is literally shoving crab rangoons in his mouth. We for sure, we're not a big fan of teachers listening to the podcast. If you're a teacher turned tech, we can respect that. Um. So... We need what to we think- against teachers. What's wrong I mean, with the teachers? demographic this, we serve? This is a a tech podcast, Mark. All right, I'll yeah. go back on. I'll go back on mute and give my crab rangoons. Um, we need to do. We do need to thank Jeremy for. I guess apparently huh. sending me bourbon and sending Mark crab rangoon tonight. Um, got nothing, be- Jeremy. Yeah, Chris got nothing. We are episode ninety six, and he said he was going to do something for episode one hundred. So, um, we'll have to we'll have to see. So. It's been a week. Uh, it is uh, now November 3rd. So I guess the big thing just kind of happened. We never say dates on here, bro. Yeah, we haven't before. Well, this is a first. We're breaking rules tonight. Um, housekeeping, I guess. My name's Josh. With me, as always, is Chris, who's not paying attention, and Mark, who is shoveling Kraber and Goon in his mouth as we speak. And this um, is take two, by the way, because Josh yes. froze. Yes. And continued in regular Josh fashion to talk for 10 minutes, despite no one talking back to him. Well, no one was like waving arms or anything. I couldn't, you know, and you just let the cat out of the bag that we are not all in the same room. Oh, my Mark, God. Mark is actually in California, not Boston. That's been a lie this whole time. Um, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> Housekeeping. Um, E-rate. If you are, if you uh, get money from E-rate or give thing you know do the e-rate process the admin window is officially open so if uh you need to go in and update your free introduced lunch counts you need to go ahead and start doing that i believe the admin window is open for 30 days i did that um, i need to do that we um the 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 numbers that desi has for us are pretty low we dropped from the 60 percent reimbursement rate down to 50 and uh, yep. we found a month where we were up over that, uh, what is it, 35% free and reduced lunch to get back up to that 60%. So we're going to go back in and, and kind of change our numbers so that we get back up to that 60% discount. Unpack that with me. How do you do that? Uh, so I actually, now they've moved food service into my office or into into the space that we consume. It used to be a concession stand. Yeah, I'm, I'm, my office is an old concession stand area. Um, be jealous. It still smells of sugar and Coke. Um, and I don't know that I mean regular like Coke soda. Um, so I went to the secretary, the food service secretary today and asked her, I said, hey, can 
off the top of your head, is there a month that we had a higher FRL percentage than, than what we're showing now? So she was going back through some numbers and she found that in August we had, um, there were some families that had not rolled off or dropped off. Um, and we were actually above that 35% mark. So um, we're going to, we're going to use that. And apparently the, the, uh, the state E-rate coordinators, uh, told listener Corey, former host Corey, that, uh, you can... <laughs> yeah, uh, Mark's given a big, well, I won't say what finger Mark's holding up. I'm not, uh, I'm not reacting whatsoever to that. I think he <laughs> was looking, Chris. licking cream cheese, cream cheese off his finger. <laughs> you can, uh, use any free introduced lunch number from, I believe he said March of, uh, 2022 to February of 2023. Obviously that's going kind of in the future. Um, so yeah, we're we're going to use August of 2022, I believe. So I got. Hey, and you're talking that. about you're talking about Corey. It's it's dawned on me, Mark. You'll like this. Uh, Corey sent me a chat today, and I ghosted him. Mm. And he said he had E-rate news, and I said nothing back. Wow. You're welcome, Mark. <laughs> Dang, we got you, and, Mark. Yeah, we got you, Mark. Uh, I'm, saying, I'm saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> another another housekeeping or kind of I don't know yearly thing to do. The NCSR survey is open and available to take. Um, if you haven't taken that in the past, this is a survey through MSI SAC um, and the lovely folks at CISA to kind of gauge uh, cybersecurity stance and posture of different governmental entities across the country. Um, just Google NCSR. If you don't have an account to fill it out, you can create one uh, and then go ahead and fill it out. It is kind of, I won't say time consuming, uh, and I, I hesitate to say confusing, but you really have to read. And they do a really good job of, of giving um, informational like tips and hints on how to answer the question. Like they give you examples. Are you doing this? Then answer this way. But there's a grading scale of, of zero through seven, I believe. Um, and I'm finding that a lot of this stuff, unfortunately... One of the first levels is, um, or the first level, level one, I believe, is we informally do this. Level two is we have a documented policy for this. And then beyond that, I forget how they go. Um, I'm finding a lot of the stuff that they ask about, we don't have an official policy on. And, and in K-12, Mark and Chris, you guys help me here. When, when someone tells me, do you have a policy on this? My mind immediately goes to, board policy, not an internal departmental policy, just because that's kind of how it's been hammered in my head over the last eight years. Mm -hmm. And, and board policy is adopted by the board. So some of the questions they're asking or, or asking your, your stance on would be very difficult to have a board policy on. So I'm, I'm kind of struggling through that. And I've got a couple emails out to different. I have a lot of procedures. Right. And I, um, but I wouldn't, that, that, sure feel a lot like policy right uh but as far as the legitimacy of how far up the chain it goes they are not board policy and i i think for the ncsr however that that stance is i feel like you could count your procedures as saying i have a documented i have a documented piece of paper that's or a rule that says we do it this way because or we do it we do it this way and you're, you're following that documentation. Um, so, Chris, you, you need to go out and fill out the NCSR and, and get those uh, scales. Because 
little. Do you little... get entered for an Amazon gift card or anything? You don't. You don't <laughs> get entered for an Amazon gift card. But I will tell you that. What's uh, the point? Tell me, well, Josh. What's I'm, the point? I'm getting ready. If you would quit interrupting me, um, the that new <laughs> that new federal cybersecurity grant that's coming out, um, and the the NOFO that will be coming out from each state. Uh, will likely require some sort of self-assessment be done. And I think most states will likely point you to the NCSR. So it will behoove you to go ahead and complete the NCSR ahead of time. Um, it's not it's not lengthy. You could easily do it in an hour and a half, two hours at the most. Um, but it is going to require some thought and some angst. I was pretty uh, crabby about it the other day. Mark, you got any input on this? No, I mean, you're, you're calling about board policy versus kind of internal practice, I think is an interesting one that we could, we, we could spend a lot of time on, but what, what would they consider a policy? What is considered a policy and, and what is just kind of day-to-day operations of your, of your department? So, well, I guess in Missouri, when, when, when someone says to, to policy to me, it means it's a document that has superintendent approval that has also gone to the board to be approved as a school district policy, like legitimate policy that is publicly viewable. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and Chris, is that how you feel about that? Mm -hmm. Um, So there's in here, there's, there's policy and there's procedures Mm -hmm. and regulations. I mean, we typically have a policy and then a, a regulation underneath it. And then procedures would be underneath that. Right. So, the policy goes to the board for approval. The procedures don't. Um, so the procedures can be changed easier. The or admin admin pol, uh, procedure can be changed easier than um, a policy mm-hmm. because policy, a policy would have to go to the board, be read, what is it, two times, three times publicly, yeah. and, then, and then they can approve it. So, um, and, and I'm probably getting way too hung up on that, on that word policy in the NCSR. Okay. I laugh sometimes because I will use the word policy when I'm talking about how we do Chromebook settings or, or I'm referring to like a group policy. I'm referring to um, a security policy that's in place uh, in, in, in Google kind of thing. And that's still policy, but it's kind of like a policy that's in italics, whatever, like we just made it up. Right. It didn't go up. I didn't ask anybody. It's, it's, it's more about the philosophy of the tech department or how we're handling a particular issue, but there's precedent with it. So it, I mean, it sure feels like a policy. Uh, and and we've, we've had times where, where we're getting like a parent that's asking why we're set up the way we are, uh, why this website's blocked versus this website's not blocked, that kind of thing. And, and I typically, I think I typically refer to, well, that's our policy. Right. Mm-hmm. But right. But, that breaks what we just talked. We're like my gut thing with policy is school board policy. Right. Um, but I still refer to things sometimes as policy when they're actually not technically policy. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Mark, is that how you guys, is, is that your view on it as well or no? Yeah. I mean, we, we definitely have the confusion between policy and procedure and, you know, we have kind of this in between layer that we call superintendent circular, which is just like, here's how we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And this is approved by the superintendent, but we don't bring those to the school committee, the school board. Their role is really around the strategic direction of the district. And it's right. our role internally 
to carry out that strategic direction. So how I govern technology, how I set things up, like that's not, I wouldn't necessarily say that's for the school committee to approve, but you're right. right. The word policy means school board, school committee approved. Yeah. And, and, and to your point, you're, every time you change a Google apps policy setting, it would, it would be horrendous to be expected to go back and right. Ask, ask for board approval every time you needed to change that. Um, I, I mean, I remember having a conversation with another district who, you know, we said, well, this was a few years ago. So what's your plan to migrate from Windows 7 to Windows 10? Well, we put in a proposal, but it was rejected by the school board. Oh, my why gosh. Is, why is that a school board decision? That's not a decision for school board. In fact, it's not a decision for us. Windows 7 is gone. Move on. Right. Wow. But I think that's where it probably was more of a budgetary decision. That kind of led to that one. Sure, sure. But, you know, those kinds of things, I, in my head, I'm just thinking that's not a school board decision to make. And that's a dangerous thing to also put that layer of operations on a school board. Uh, wow. Because then that could potentially stop very important, you know, improvements and security holes. Yeah. And, and actually, let's talk about that in a second. But Chris... Quickly first, do you want to talk about Managed Methods, our newest sponsor on the K-12 Tech Talk podcast? Managed Methods, uh, you can check out managedmethods.com. They are proactive cybersecurity uh, and they they provide safety. Uh, That's easy for K-12 schools. Uh, You can check out uh, their website to kind of go over their different use cases, but they can help you out with your cyber safety and security. They can help you out with your data security. Uh, They can help you set up uh, and dig into phishing and malware protection. Uh, they can help you if you're going through accounts getting takeover, that kind of protection stuff, data loss prevention. Uh, they can even help you out if if you don't have a solution for this with like scanning monitoring for student self-harm detection or cyberbullying monitoring uh, managed methods uh, can help you out uh, with that. They are 4K12. So check out managed methods at managedmethods.com. Who do I email at managed methods? It's a great question. Give me a couple minutes. I'll tell you. All right. So I'll start. I'll start my uh, my obsolete system story real quick. So it's no secret we are looking or we are in the process of moving to Infinite Campus. Um, no, they're not a sponsor. They probably should be with as much as I'm going to talk about them for the next year. Um, so in that process, we have started going through finding some of our old records and. Um, we had, I guess, years before I got to my district, they had taken a, a lump of years, three school years, and sent those permanent records off to be scanned and put in um, a document management system. This was back when Windows XP was still around. So um, the system, the software that they received with the images, excuse me, was um, uh, a 16-bit application that could only run on Windows XP. And it ran on this computer that was sitting underneath the high school secretary's desk. She, nice. when when someone needed a transcript, they called her, she got on that machine and printed out the transcript, yada, yada, yada. Okay, fast forward. We now are, uh, it's 2022. This is the only XP machine that we still have in our environment. It is off network. It sits in a secure location in my office. So now, now, Myself and my guys have become the transcript people for these three years, which is totally annoying. That's awesome. um, so 
I've been on the rampage the last probably month about we've got to get rid of this box. I Because if this box, if the power supply fails, if the motherboard fails, we're up a creek. These three years, we cannot recover because it's a damn 16-bit application in a proprietary file format that can only be ran through this stupid document management program. So get this. I found the company still exists. So I'm like, all right, cool. I email the salesman. I'm like, or I email their contact us. I tell them the whole story. I say, contact me. I want to upgrade. So I get a phone call from a salesman. He's like, well, we really don't have an upgrade path for you. We're on version seven and it's cloud-based now. And there's no real way to take you from 3.2 to seven. I'm like, well, crap. He goes, but we can, we can work out a professional services quote. And I'll, I'll give sure. you two quotes. We'll do, we'll do a professional services quote to get you up to seven. And that includes converting the documents. And then I'll give you a quote to just kind of unlock the documents. I'm like, well, hell, I'll, I'll take the option that's just unlocking the documents. If you can give them to me in PDF format, we'll throw them in a folder somewhere and only give them access to the secretary and we'll be done. So about a week and a half goes by and this guy emails me back as here, here's your attached quote. Um, the online application, you know, to set it up would be, uh, like four grand a year for four users, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, okay, well, maybe the unlock fee is even cheaper. And I start to read the email even more and it says, but to get those documents into the cloud solution, we would have to uh, convert everything. So the, the attachment is the professional services to more or less turn those into PDFs and unlock them so they could be uploaded. But if you just wanted your own copy and not go to the cloud base, you could take them from there. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. So I've got to do both of these. If I want to go to the cloud version, this is going to get lost three listeners. This is going to get expensive. So I open up the attachment for the professional services to unlock the documents and convert them. $10,000 to convert the three years worth of, of transcripts. So what we ended up doing, Oh, there's the dog episode. Can't go by without a dog. Trying to to keep Um, us awake around here. Oh, shut up. We installed a PDF printer on that device and we printed one of my guys spent the last two days printing every transcript to PDF and saving it as a PDF. Good story, right? It was a good story. Katie is her name at Managed Methods. Ah, Katie. Then we're gonna, we're, we're gonna unpack that story some more. Okay. Katie K-F-R-I-T-C-H-E-N at managed methods. Dot com. I you know have what? one question coming to my head. Yes. People can't probably aren't going to write that down. So we'll put it in Fritchen. the show notes. We'll put it in the we'll put it in the show notes, right? Fritchen? Fritchen. I don't know. We'll have to ask her. Miss Katie. But we'll put Katie's email in the show notes. What's your question, Chris? By the way, the very first time Katie emailed the pod, subject line was nearly died laughing. Now I'm curious. Oh, it's because she was listening to the podcast and then she was curious about a sponsorship. Oh, kind of cool. Kind of fun. Very nice. Okay. Mm. So why, so windows XP, did you have that just sitting on a old box? Yeah. Why didn't you port that to like a VM? I don't want to, I don't want to continue the problem. I like it. Good answer. You passed. No, good. Ding, 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 ding. Mark, you got any questions? Nope. How's those crabber and goons? They're delicious. <laughs> Mark, you want to tease our uh, three episode? What are we going to call the, the ex- extravaganza? Um, 
series series and so boring park. sorry um so we have a three-part series coming up uh that we're very very excited about because we've got some some really good guests uh um, shari are coming back no oh. no but that was a very popular episode yeah one with shari was very popular um which actually that episode helped to get a few of the other guests uh for ah. this three-part series so we um we've been talking a lot about the MSI grant and cybersecurity plans and not just for the grant but just the importance of cybersecurity plans so we thought we thought let's let's get some experts in here to talk about the why and the how uh, of how to do this so chris and i are already here we're we're experts right yeah yeah, yeah that's a good point well all right i'll cancel it then um <laughs> we have we have a three part series um, to kind of take you through the 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 sequence of events that needs to happen. And the first real episode is really the why. And we've got a really, really great guest. It is a superintendent of a mega district, a just under 100,000 student district. Oh, my gosh. To come in and talk about his experience with ransomware. Uh, they recently went through ransomware. And so the superintendent is now going to talk about what it was like for him uh, at the district at the time. Sweet. Awesome. The uh, the next episode um, is going to be with a partnership with the Strategic Technology Advisory Group, which is a group of, of former and current CIOs who kind of travel around and help districts prepare for these kinds of things. They're going to come on and talk about the leadership changes and the strategic changes you need to make within your district to make sure that everybody is aware of the why and the how. Uh, so it's not just in the big message. It's not just an IT task. This is an everybody task. Right. And so these, these, these two folks are going to come in and talk about how to build that culture. And then the third episode is going to be two uh, large district CIOs who are going to talk about how to come up with their plan and some of the key factors that you need to include. So it's going to be kind of a little bit of a why and then moving into the how uh, a, a cybersecurity plan needs to be developed within your district. So really excited for this series. We're going to be recording the episodes over the next few weeks and we'll be able to release them all uh, uh, sequentially. So yeah, we're super excited. Hundred, I, I couldn't. Like, I couldn't imagine a hundred thousand students. It, that that's crazy. I gotta get some new clothes. Oh yeah, I'm. I guess I shouldn't wear my white T-shirt, right? I should. Oh yeah, we should. We should dress up. Probably keep my shirt on for the episode. Okay. Practice um, my pronunciations. Pronunciations. So, you mentioned this uh, school advisory or this technology advisory board. Um, Cosin mm-hmm. recently announced they are working with, I guess, Twitter to verify school district, official school district Twitter accounts, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is a tough conversation this week, Josh. Well, we'll okay, be, we'll, we'll be uh, removed from the politicalness of this topic. Um, but yeah, I got an email. Mark, Mark were, was your official Twitter account already verified do you know it was it has not been no no it is not verified and it hasn't been yet but we did submit if you if you are a member of coast and you probably got that email to submit your district uh information and twitter account and they're working with twitter to get these accounts verified and this was as of what last week i guess that email came out it was a couple of weeks ago when the verification was free so yeah right so i guess all things considered maybe that may change um but I thought that was really cool for Kosen to do that. I mean, you would expect that that's kind of the one of the main 
purposes of an entity like COSIN is to go to bat for all these member districts or even non-member districts and say, look, you know, information from school districts is vitally important. We need to make sure that no one is um, impersonating those those districts on social media. So no, it's super cool. I got the email and I sent it to our PR guy and he jumped like right on it to, to uh, ask for that. So it'll be interesting. I actually, see. for me, I said it in the department uh, as a COSIN member uh, and then a member of the Missouri chapter as well. You get emails and you see different activities going on that you can be a part of. This was the first thing I kind of remember just hitting me of like a bigger picture thing. Right. I'm seeing the fruit of being a COSIN member. Um, that's quickly something I can apply that others in my district can see beyond myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what's happening is COSIN is doing the verification of here are the districts. And yes, we verified this is the right district account. This isn't some random Joe Schmo submitting this. They pass it on to, to Twitter and to Twitter will verify these accounts for us. So we'll get the little blue check mark. Yay. For however long it lasts. So that's, that's really cool. Um, so if you're a COSIN member out there, uh, check your email for, I don't even remember what the subject of the email was. Um, I think it said something about Twitter verification. So yeah, definitely hop on that and get your Twitter account verified. Um, I think people have a lot of emails right now that might say Twitter verification. Well, that's so probably you might want to go yeah. a little deeper and add the word COSIN. Yeah. And or I tried just... I put in the podcast stuff instead of my school just to see if I could get it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, probably just search on from Cosin and that would, it would help out. I believe the email came out last or I, the one I got came out last week. I'll find it. Um, so I've got a new employee starting. I've kind of got a plan. I'm going to take him around and, you know, introduce him to building principles that first day and give him tours of the different buildings. It's, you know, we're relatively small. We don't have 57 buildings like Mark. Um, Subject line, submit your school systems, Twitter account for verification. There you go. Uh, so when you guys hire a new employee, Chris, I think it's probably been a while since you hired somebody new. Mark, you might, I don't know how involved you are in that process unless they're, you know, directly under you. But what what's your plan for those first couple of days? What are your major goals for that new employee? What do you want to expose them to? What do you introductions you want to make? Um, that kind of stuff. Don't both of you go at the same time. Um, depends a lot on the position. Okay. Uh, I would say I have one position that's more of a, I don't want, well, I'm going to say it more of a rotating door. Sometimes it takes a little longer, but it's a position that's changed quite a bit. A technician position. We have tried, uh, to keep, uh, procedures. We talked about job responsibilities, l- literally documented well in a folder, uh, so that if that person changes, the position can be picked up, uh, quickly. Uh, so as as that positions happen, that's always been my first couple of days is hang out in this folder, go through all this stuff, get to know it really well. Uh, it's defined really well. Okay. I think it depends on the, the position. So if Chris it is already more said a, that. Oh, sorry. I'll, I'll shut up. I'll go back to eating crab rankings. <laughs> uh, no, sorry. Chris was right. It's about. Yes, uh, it's the it's what is the position doing? So if it is, uh, you know, a technical position like hardware related, that person's likely going to be shadowing other folks on the team, making sure that they understand procedures and protocols and how to how to, you know, visit a school, how to pick something up and 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 then maybe going through various different trainings to get certified on how to do repairs. Um, 
if it is more on the support side or uh, the application side, obviously getting them access to the systems that they need, making sure that they know how to use the daily systems that they're going to use is probably the bulk of the work. Um, and then slowly easing them into systems as well in terms of access. We're not going to start somebody with wide open editing system right. access on the very first day, kind of ease them into that. Um, but obviously they need to have access to the tools that they need for their job. So that's that's where it kind of varies from each person to person of what are the tools that they need. Um, so that's probably the bulk of the work that that we're doing is getting them up to speed with the technologies that we're using and the right access and training. Yeah, so I'll, I'll be taking a similar approach. You know, it'll be the first couple of days are going to be those introductions, getting your feet wet, getting your the way, you know, understanding how to get around our buildings because we have a couple of buildings that are so big, like our elementary school has roughly 1,100 kids in it. Um, it's one of the largest in the state, if not the largest in the state. Um, so you can get lost in those buildings pretty easily. So a lot of it's going to be just wayfinding those first couple of days, meeting the key individuals in that building. Um, and, and we can cover the rest of it as, as it needs to be done. Um, I'll retain network ownership, you know, net, network switch config ownership of my extreme switches. Um, and, and we'll go from there. We'll, like Mark said, we'll give uh, access as it's required and, and just kind of step into that process. Um, but speaking of extreme switches, extreme is a proud i guess they're proud they signed on um they are a new sponsor of our podcast so chris has got some more information about extreme networks i do know that they are making a big push they are starting to take over a number of the pro sports arenas nfl i saw a thing they're major in the major league baseball uh stadiums right now i believe they're they've got a footprint in hockey as well so chris tell us about extreme networks I'm just going to say, if you want to like jump in line and talk to the guy that you actually want to talk to, it's going to be Dominic Mayer uh, at Extreme. His email is D-M-A-Y-E-R at ExtremeNetworks.com. Uh, I've known that guy for quite some time. Uh, he's a networking guru, years and years and years of experience and wisdom. But you look at him, he's not that old, but he, he, he's been working in tech for a long time. He knows his stuff. Uh, he can help you with um, he can he, he, he will have a genuine conversation with you about how extreme uh, stacks up against other solutions. Uh, and he he has that experience because he's he's worked with a lot of different solutions. So extreme networks, a proud sponsor of the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. I've had extreme switches uh, for about eight years now. We've been happy with them. Uh, they've done everything I've needed them to, to do. And, uh, you know, it's it's a far cry from the olden days of unmanaged switches and stuff like that. One of the nice things about Extreme is uh, the majority of their of their switch line all run the same code. So your commands, if you've got different models of switches, your commands are the same across their complete lineup. So check out Extreme Networks and uh, give them give them a try. Give them give them a, a look see and tell them you heard about them uh, from us. So, uh, have you guys ever had to prevent students from emailing other students? Have you oh, had that problem? I hate that. Yeah. I hate those questions. I hate like, can you block this person, this parent? Can you like, oh I, yeah, we haven't done that. I hate that. I hate that. Cause we, it's, it's yeah. Go ahead. So <laughs> I think Chris has been in the same boat that I've been in or that I was in today. And I've been in the past where I get a call from a principal and it's like, Hey, 
is there any way that we can turn off the ability from, from Susie to email other students? We want to keep her ability to email teachers, but we want to stop her ability from emailing other students. Chris, you've had to deal with that, right? Yeah, I actually this week had two similar deals with like, can we individualize services on off and what kind of communication can take place? So what's the route that you take? Do you just cut off mail or do you go the header approach? I, out of the gate, um, push back and say that we don't individualize things. Uh, And I say that we are an on off school district technology access is given or it's turned off. Uh, Sometimes there's pushback with that. So if it's email kind of stuff, I've more done the thing where like we literally get into their account and set up filtering. Oh, so it's, it's still happening, but we're kind of putting it. We're saying tech is not going to manage that. I'm going to show you how to do proper filtering. Uh, So we've responded to it. Like the kid that's getting the emails that they don't want. We're teaching that kid how to set up filtering. Okay. Going straight to their trash. And then that kid that's doing the thing that's inappropriate, they're getting discipline action against them. Right. So um, probably once or twice a year, I get a phone call from a, from a principal or an assistant principal, because that's who deals with discipline. Um, They're, they're at their wits end. They've done everything they can with the kid. Um, They're still abusing email and they want to disable their ability to email other students. So we've gone the route of just turning off Gmail, which really doesn't work because they still have to email their teachers. Um, So I had found, I guess about two years ago, I had found the knowledge base article from Google about how to add a custom header from a sender and then create Mm -hmm. a a rule, a custom header rule on the recipient side that more or less blocks those messages if it has a particular header in it. So that's, that's kind of the route that we've been taking. And I got another one of those calls today where I had to move a student into the OU that on all of their outbound mail, it adds a header to it. Yeah. And then every student has an inbound rule that searches and says, if it contains this header, do not deliver to the mailbox. So, I mean, it's, it is sort of heavy handed because it cuts off all student to student communication for that student. Um, but you know, you got you got to do what you got to do at times. And I, I, I agree with your stance, Chris more because it's, it doesn't put the burden on the IT department, but at some point. I was going to say, cause do you have to remember when, or do you yes. have to take that off at some yes. point and that kind of thing? Yeah. And I'm, I will, I'll tell you, I'm going to forget. Um, yeah. So, that, that situation happened to me a couple of weeks ago where I had somebody reach out to me and say, Oh, this I'm, I'm not getting emails from this person uh, or we're not getting emails from this person. And I was like, this name sounds familiar. And I look back and this, the person who was emailing me had me block that email address months ago. I was like, you don't remember me blocking that address at your request. And so that kind of like liability of, you know, if an incident happens in elementary school and you put a rule in, you're not going to find that rule 10 years down the road when they're a high school student can't figure out why this email is not going through. Yep. I really... I struggle with it. I, cause I like saying yes. And I like do, I, I am that guy. I'm, I'm more the, or I, I, I used to be more than I am now. I, I like being the, yeah, tech can figure out the answer, but then we've had, um, it doesn't seem to matter 
and, you know, we're nine years into being one-to-one, like at the high school level, if, you know, Google, Google chat being on, um, it's archived. Uh, we do some third-party stuff that does some monitoring with it. Chat still has that to many, that feeling of, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're letting them chat, but we can see all that they did. It's contained in this environment. So like if you turn off chat, what do they do next? Well, then they email each other a thousand times. So then you're like, well, let's turn off Gmail. So you turn off Gmail. Well, I remember the first year of one-to-one at the elementary level and without malicious intent, without knowing that they were breaking policy or, and they weren't even breaking policy without knowing that they were treading into anything different and like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm maybe breaking a classroom rule. They made a Google doc and shared it with each other and chatted in it. Yep. So like, it doesn't matter. Like we picked Google and we picked, we, we picked collaboration and we picked communication for our school. So that's where I've always ended up landing on. It's either on or off. Like I can't, I don't want to get into this land of we tried this and okay, the kid can't handle that. So we're going to try this Yeah, uh, and going on, on down the list. Yeah. I'm, I'm just take the same approach. I think um, my first response when those kinds of things happen is just so you know, we stop this behavior that you don't like the students are going to continue that behavior somewhere where maybe we can't see it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I always want to give that caveat of I prefer not to have this be an IT fix because then the students are just going to find a workaround. They're going to find another way around if we don't fix the actual root of the problem. Um, so that's definitely the approach that I, I try to take. It's not always successful, um, but just like you said, Chris, it's got to be an on or off when you try to do these like if rules and headers, it gets dangerous and you create problems down the road. I'm a dangerous man. That's all I can say. What I don't know, I don't know that what we've talked about I mean, I think it's it's I think there are states passing it, but it could end up being bigger, like where parents have this bill of rights thing yeah. that parents legit get to pick what services their kids have access to. And if that happens, then all that I'm saying is gone. A, a parent is just going to decide yes, yes to Gmail, no to chat. Um, just this week that we, we had a parent ask about they're not okay with YouTube, even though we do filtered YouTube, educational YouTube. And even though YouTube though, side note has all kinds of stuff yeah. that still gets through, yeah. but the parent didn't want the kid to have access to YouTube. Wow. We don't, we don't, we don't do that. Like I had we, many, we can, but we, yeah. we don't. I had many, many conversations like that during the remote work or remote school with a couple of parents who did not like YouTube. And we do the same thing. YouTube is filtered. It's, but it's not perfect. No, right. there's no filter that is perfect. And parents, I mean, I had, I had a couple of parents just ripping into me about YouTube and the dangers of it. And I just said, look, I, I just need to understand, like, I get it. There's a lot of bad stuff on YouTube. There's a lot of really, really good stuff on YouTube. And our teachers are using that good stuff in their classroom. Um, and it's really hard. And, and Google, you know, the capabilities within Google are really kind of limited as well. And so yeah. I had to explain that. Um, but man, it's it's hard. It's really, really hard to do certain services on for certain students Oh yeah, without there being a negative consequence, without it impacting a teacher's classroom, or in some cases without that even being possible. So, Well, and like to Chris's point, if you're going in and you're cherry picking apps like that, you would have so many different either OUs to turn those on and off yeah. or different 
what it's Google calling them now, membership groups or security yep. groups yep. to to turn them on and off. It would be a nightmare to figure that out. Yeah, I almost think I would. I think a pushback would hit its hardest point. It's it's really about staffing. Like we don't have the man hours to manage that. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that would be the final thing I'd be pushing towards. I, I had a parent because um, I said that, you know, like YouTube. Yeah, we don't do that. You can't turn it on or off. Uh, and then they sent me the Google admin article. <laughs> and, had a, and I was like, no, that's not. I know that's what I said. Uh, I mean, like we like our stance is we can't we don't uh, not so much. Technically, we can't don't. Yeah. Interesting. Brilliant. Brilliant. We use um, GoGuardian for teachers, so teachers can monitor screens within classrooms, and that is the best, best tool. Yeah. Uh, our teachers love it, and it, it helps us because we can take that approach. Hey, let's get you set up in GoGuardian for teacher. You can monitor screens. You can shut tabs off if, if you need to. Right. And it puts the onus back on the teacher so they can have, you know, their technology experience is, is tailored to their classroom. Yeah, we've we've do the same thing with line wise and the teacher can make a custom block list. So if they've got a bunch of kids screwing around on a on yeah. a game that the teacher can kill that game or if they she doesn't she or he doesn't want them on YouTube for that hour, she they can block YouTube for that. You know, so there are tools out there. But again, it gets into that. You got to spend money. You're yeah. going to have to spend extra dollars on buying those tools to do that. Um and I'll again, name drop ours since we use it, we use Hapara. And you've used Hapara for quite a while, haven't you? Yeah, this is the first. So up until this year, we, I think I felt like we kind of cheated on their licensing, uh, but we used it weird. Uh, we would we would buy the minimal amount that you can buy, and we would only give it to the kids that had tech violations. Oh, that's right. And then the teachers were the principals. So if you had a tech violation, we gave you Hapara. And they knew the principals were watching them. Uh, we didn't do any actual teacher uh, management monitoring this year. Now it's across the board. We bought licensing for everybody and teachers love it and they use it. Uh, and it's a wonderful tool and I'm glad that we do it, but it was expensive. Yeah. yeah. Those tools typically are pretty expensive. Um, Chris, why don't you tell us about PDS real quick? Provision data or data, doesn't matter how you say it, Provision Data Solutions, a proud sponsor of the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. Uh, you can reach out to Ryan there. Uh, what's his email? Is it, is it Ryan, Ryan R? R? Yeah. At ProvisionDS.com. Uh, they actually, my uh, HPE Aruba, my 635s uh, are coming in. They're in. Uh, PDS is configuring them, and they're going to come to our school soon for install. Uh, so they can help you with that kind of stuff. They can help you with all kinds of stuff. Yeah, they're good guys too. Josh, they know are you still waiting on APs? Or are you good? Oh, no, we're good. We've been good. I didn't order uh, APs this year. That was last year. Um. So finally tonight, we have a listener email. Chris, you want to give us the gist of this listener email? Yeah, I got you. I got you. Listener Dave says, a while back, there was an episode where Josh asked the question, if you could snap your fingers and make a product go away, what would you choose? I don't know what episode that was, but you should check out that episode. What did we say? I wonder. I don't remember. It was probably, I don't, I was probably on a rant about something. 
Oh, so, so we're asking what would go away? Well, no. that was what we previous asked in the episode. previous episode. Okay. Other than that digital art software where you draw or yeah. paint photos and change photos, other than that, that's that's the, not what we're asking, Mark. Do you remember that one I talked about where you started with an image and then you clicked a bunch of images and then it ended up being like a smiley face? <laughs> finish you know what I'm talking about. Finish the student email. <laughs> finish the, the listener email. Okay. <laughs> if you could snap your fingers and add a product to your district, what would you add? This can be something already mm. that exists. This could be a brand spanking new idea. What would you do? Hmm. What am I really jealous of? I would, off the top of my head, I would say a, a second, a redundant internet connection or DDoS protection. Mark, what do you think? Uh, feels like this is something that that I it's very hot for me right now, but and it's very hot for our district right now. It, if something could just do away with student cell phones between the hours of <laughs> eight like and the three. Paint. Just, just get rid of them. Just get rid of the cell phones. It's, it's illegal to signal jam. Uh, Could you do well? That's legal signal jam that only works on s- student cell phones. I don't think you can do that. The what? The I, yeah, yeah, I can. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Chris, what what are you going to snap your fingers and get? I've always, I'd like to spend the big money on like the security team that monitors you constantly. Oh, I mean, maybe Albert, maybe a couple layers of that. Yeah. Bunch of security money. Just the, just take care of that for me. Interesting thought. Security peace of mind. Yeah. But that's, Mm. yeah. Albert's a product, but yeah, I think you're going a little more nebulous. Yeah, something bigger than that. What's Nebulous? Maybe that's what I would call it. Ooh, that's a good product name. Nebulous. The Nebulous. All right. Any other closing thoughts tonight, guys? Are you looking for... Because <laughs> we are. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, we got feedback that, that... I think that's sticking. Go ahead. We'll kill it. With, we'll end it with that. We hey, are K-12 Tech it. Talk, and so are you. Okay. MFV. see you next week for the start of our awesome three-week series maybe maybe thanks for listening we'll see you next week regardless nebulous